Welcome to the Foundry Church Podcast, helping you to forge a lifelong reliance on God. To find out more about the Foundry Church or how to get involved, visit us at thefoundrychurch.com. Well, I am excited to be introducing to you, to the Foundry, a friend of mine, Neil Wheeler. Now, Neil and I have known each other for a couple of years, and there are two things that we do here at the Foundry, or happen at the Foundry, specifically from the guidance and the direction of Neil. And you may not even know this, or have never even met him, but when you come here, if you are serving on a ministry team on Sunday morning, we have a prayer huddle. At 9.45, before anybody shows up, we gather up here and we pray for everybody who's going to be coming through these doors. For the spirit of God to move in their lives, for the spirit of God to move in our lives, uh, that we go to the foot of the cross in worship, and that we uh, help others and guide others to do the same thing. And we do that because Neil told us to do that a few years ago in a in a, in a meeting that he was leading with our leaders on the importance of prayer. And it is one of the, if not the most important thing that we do on Sunday morning. Praying and submitting ourselves to the lordship and to the leadership of our God. Now another thing that we do or that I do here at the Foundry every week is I was encouraged and I was uh, humbled by the fact that Neil... Has, uh, has some men, every time he preaches, that pray for him. Uh, no matter where he is. And how many, you probably, you have three guys and you probably preach in different churches 40 times a year. <laughs> right? He's all over. Um, and he's going to, I'll explain what Waypoint is, where he works with in just a second. Um, but uh, for me, I'm one of those people that if something bad's going to happen in my life, or if I'm going to get in a fight with Christina... Or if uh, something weird's going to happen that's going to distract me, it's going to happen on Saturday night. And so I asked Bo years ago, a couple years ago, to pray for me on Saturday night because of the, uh, the example of Neil. And uh, that's, that's important. It's an important part of my ministry. It's so that I can come in on Sunday morning in the right headspace and under the lordship and the leadership of our Lord. So I'm excited for Neil to be coming and sharing with us today about prayer. Neil works with Waypoint Ministries. Waypoint is in, uh, started here in Virginia in 1938. He said earlier today, um, they planted most of the Christian churches in Virginia, West Virginia, Maryland. Uh, now they're down all the way into South Carolina, North Carolina, and Tennessee as well. They plant churches. Uh, they're a mission that we support here every, every month. They are a group that uh, partners with local pastors to provide encouragement and prayer and support and training for church leaders and ministry teams and elders. And so I'm just excited that Neil's here to share with us. So with that, Neil, come on up and lead away. I am so excited to be with uh, you folks at, uh, at Foundry. This is an exciting thing. Uh, I've been multiple times. Uh, I love the energy that I'm seeing this morning. Uh, I love the presence of God that I'm uh, sensing this morning. And I just want to say 
great job, brother. I, I appreciate you and your leadership, uh, and thank you for uh, 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 stepping up to the plate and the challenge of leading a congregation. That's not easy. I did it for 38 years, uh, led congregations for 38 years, and now for the last seven years, I've been director of leader care with Waypoint Church Partners, and that means I get to hang out with pastors uh, and drink a lot of coffee uh, and take them out to lunch, and that's a great thing uh, that I get the chance to do. This morning, what I want to do, I want to focus down on one verse of Scripture that impacted my life so dramatically. Uh, this was about 30 years ago, uh, and I was attending uh, a Billy Graham uh, School of Evangelism. I'm not the smartest guy in the world, but I thought I was going to learn about how to evangelize people. And the whole first day, they talked about prayer. Prayer, 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 prayer. And about 12 or 1 o'clock, I was so ticked off, I wanted to go back and demand my money back because I didn't go to a prayer conference. I was going to a conference on evangelism. It was about 3 o'clock in the afternoon when God spoke into this thick skull of mine and I heard this verse of scripture repeated to me. No one can come to me unless the Father draws him. Now there are only less than 10% of people that have the gift of evangelism. They can sell ice to Eskimos. So what I want to do is talk to the rest of us, including myself, who are not those outgoing kind of personalities about how to evangelize and disciple our friends, especially those that are far, far, far away from Christ. The title of my message this morning is The Power of One Prayer. The power of one prayer. I want you to take your Bible, turn with me to the Gospel of Luke. You're going to need to have your scripture on your phone or physical copy. The Gospel of Luke, the 11th chapter. This is the longest teaching that Jesus gives on prayer. And I just want us to read it together, all right? Now, we'll have different uh, uh, variations of, of wording. I'm reading from the New Living uh, Translation, so it may differ a little bit from what you have in your hands. But let's read together. Uh, Luke chapter 11, verse 1. Once Jesus was in a certain place praying, as he finished, one of his disciples came and said to him, Lord, would you teach us to pray just like John taught his disciples? And Jesus said, this is how you should pray. Father, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. Give us each day the food that we need. And forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation. Then, teaching them more about prayer, Jesus used this story. Suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight wanting to borrow three loaves of bread. And you said to him, a friend of mine has just arrived for a visit and I have nothing for him to eat. And suppose he calls out uh, from his bedroom and says, don't bother me. The door is locked for uh, the night and my family and I are in bed. I can't help you. But I tell you this, though he won't do anything for friendship's sake, if you keep knocking long enough, he will get up and give you whatever you need because of your shameless persistence. So I tell you, keep on asking 
and you'll receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives and everyone who seeks finds and everyone who knocks the door will be open. You fathers, if your children ask you for a fish, do you give him a snake instead? Or if they ask for an egg, would you give him a scorpion? Of course not. So if you're sinful, if, if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Today I want to teach you about the power that one kingdom prayer has to transform the life of a person that's far from God by drawing them to the foot of the cross through prayer. Let me tell you a very personal story, a prodigal story uh, in my own uh, family. I have two daughters. Uh, my uh, youngest daughter is a, a crew missionary. She's right now in uh, North Africa with a group of students from Virginia Tech and James Madison. James Madison, she's a campus pastor, pastor of Virginia Tech. My oldest daughter uh, is now in with her, I just got a text this morning from St. John. Can you imagine the audacity of somebody uh, not taking their dad with them to St. John? Uh, but anyway, that's where, that's where they are. When she was in high school, junior high and high school, Angela was the most evangelistic person I'd ever met in my life. She was constantly bringing kids to church. And as soon as she started driving, she would bring carloads of kids to church. She went to Bridgewater College in Shandoah Valley, uh, and she selected a, a church right next to campus where everybody could dress casually and, and, uh, so that she could uh, invite all of her friends and say, I want you to go to church with me. Uh, we're going to leave here 10 minutes before church time starts. You don't have to brush your teeth. You do have to brush your teeth, uh, comb your hair. Uh, don't worry about what you're wearing, and we're going to walk down the street and go to church. She taught in their children's uh, program on Wednesday night. She loved the Lord with all of her heart. She was so turned on until her junior year when her brains fell out and she ran so far not just from me but from God himself. The crushing blow came one day when she said, Dad, I want you to understand if I ever get married, I want you to know that you might be able to attend my wedding, but you'll never perform my wedding because I don't believe in the God that you talk about anymore. I remember a day that I drove to Bridgewater College uh, to be able to give her some money because she was going on a trip. And uh, I said to her, Angela, you know the story of the prodigal. And I won't tell you exactly what she said because I try not to cuss in church. <laughs> But she said, yeah. And I said, I hope you understand that your mom and I are the dad in the story. And I think you understand who you are in the story. She cussed again and she said, yeah. And as she was opening the door to get out of the car, I said to her one last thing. I said, honey, wherever you are, whenever you are, I want you to know that your mom and I are standing at the end of the driveway longing and waiting for you to come home. Now that's the first part of the story. I'll come back to end the story before we're done this morning. 
But if you were advising me, counseling me on how to pray for my wandering daughter, what would you have me pray about? Well, that's what we want to ask Jesus today because that's really the topic of the, uh, the story that we just read. How to pray for prodigals or friends that are far from God in a way that would attract them and draw them uh, to the foot of the cross. I want to give you five lessons. If you're a note taker, you can jot down some notes uh, and that would be great. Five lessons about drawing people to the foot of the cross. The first is pray kingdom prayers over them. Pray kingdom prayers over them. That's Jesus in his ministry was all about the kingdom of God. In Mark chapter 1 verse 15, uh, Jesus starts out his ministry and there's a statement describing Jesus' ministry. And it says there, uh, Jesus uh, said that the kingdom of God is near, so repent and believe the good news. Almost every single one of his parables were about uh, the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is like a, a mustard seed. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure in a field. The kingdom of God is like a, a fishing net that's been thrown out. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 3 and verse 5 that the kingdom of heaven belongs to the poor and those who recognize their need for God. Then he uh, goes on in verse 10 and he said the kingdom of God belongs to those who are persecuted because of their ministry. So when it comes to praying, it doesn't really surprise us at all that Jesus, when he's asked, teach us to pray, said this is how you ought to pray. Father, may your kingdom come soon. Would your kingdom break out in the lives of people that I know that are far from God? And as I began to pray for my daughter, Angela, that was the prayer that I prayed over and over and over again. Would your kingdom come into her life? But what does that really mean? That brings us to lesson number two. Jesus goes on and just speaks about the idea of leveraging narrow gates and hard road opportunities. You might be saying to yourself, what? he doesn't talk about that in the passage of Scripture, so what on earth are you talking about? Well, keep a finger right here in this text, and I want you to go back to the book of Matthew and the 7th chapter, when Jesus is teaching in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus gives this kingdom principle. And I want you to notice what he says. He said in verse 13 of chapter 7 of Matthew, Jesus says, you can only enter God's kingdom, watch this, through the narrow gate, the highway to hell is broad and its gate is wide for many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow and the road is very difficult and only a few will ever find it. Matthew, I'm sorry, Isaiah 55 verse 9 says that God's ways are not our ways and God's mind is so much higher than my mind. I want you to understand that when uh, my daughter was running away from God, I was so tempted to pray, God, would you just protect her? Don't let anything bad happen to her. Man, I remember when she was little, like that one right there. I love all the babies around here. This is a wonderful place. I remember when she was that age, and I remember when I could set her little clothes out on the bed, then she would put them on. And the biggest fight that I would have with her would be, or her mom would have, no, you can't wear that same purple shirt that you're taking out of the dirty clothes for the 14th day in a row. No, you cannot do that. Uh, I, but, but 
I, I, I knew that praying God protect her kind of prayers was counterproductive to what God wanted to do in her life. So rather than praying God take her out of rough spots that she's in, I asked God to simply use those rough spots to draw her to the foot of the cross. That's what Jesus teaches us how to pray back in Luke chapter 11. Did you notice that? He says in, uh, in verse 3 and 4, Give us each our, the, the, day, the food that we need every day. Forgive us of our sins. And, and as we forgive those who sin against us, and don't let us yield to temptation. You see, when Jesus describes narrow gates and hard paths, he describes stuff that's going on in our lives today. This could have been written, man, during this COVID shutdown crisis because it hits to the very point of what everybody that you come and come in contact, including yourself, that we face every single day. In verse 3, Jesus talks about financial crisis. You know anybody in a financial crisis right now? Escalating debt, soaring food, gas costs. Hey, I just saw that y'all's gas uh, was over $5 a gallon. Y'all need to move to Midlothian, Virginia. I paid $4.45 yesterday. Yeah, and, and my wife said, are, are you bragging about that? You know, that that's a, is a great thing. Jesus talks about emotional crisis. Verse 4, he said, Get, uh, forgive us our sins. Realize that half Americans, realize that half the people in this room struggle with chronic anxiety and overwhelming depression. And every person we face, every person we come in contact with, and I have to wonder how much of that is the weight of our own personal sin or personal mistakes. He talks about social crisis in verse 4. He said, forgive us uh, those who sin against us. Road rage, mass shootings, uh, Facebook posting. I have never in my lifetime seen anger at a higher level. Have you? Than what we are seeing right now today. And Jesus ends with uh, addiction crisis. And don't let us yield to the temptation. Do you realize that every single addictive behavior that there is. From alcohol to drugs to pornography to gossiping. Is all through the roof today. Never have we seen a greater crisis. I've asked leader after leader after leader. I've asked your pastor this question, hundreds of leaders, uh, these two questions during the last couple of years. Uh, what do you think God is, I'm sorry, what do you think Satan's doing uh, during all of this COVID crisis and uh, racial issue and political tension, uh, now financial stress? What do you think Satan's doing during all of that? And second question is, what do you think God's doing during, during this crisis? I think the second question is far more important, don't you? I know what Satan's doing. He's trying to cause division and fussing and fighting and anger and resentment and all of that. But what is God doing during this type of crisis? Our friends, I want you to understand that I believe that God, with all my heart, I believe that God is using all of this crisis that we are in right now. It kind of sounds like Paul's description and Peter's description of the last days before Jesus comes back, right? That God's using all of those things to draw people to the foot of the cross. To create, man, just tough roads and narrow, narrow passageways that he could use to draw them 
to the foot of the cross. You see, it's really easy to pray ain't it awful kinds of prayers. Ain't it awful what the devil's doing? Ain't it awful how all of this stuff's going on? But kingdom prayers, watch this, leverage narrow gates and hard roads and say, God, use the crisis in my friend or my daughter's life to draw them to the foot of the cross. Nothing draws people like anxiety and trouble and problem, including you and me uh, as well. Lesson number three. It took me a long time to learn this because I thought prayer was all about talking. I thought prayer was all about telling God what I thought he needed to do. Do you understand that? You know, that, uh, and so I remember the first time I did a prayer retreat day, I was going to pray all afternoon, uh, and I went to a park, and I sat down, uh, and I started praying, and I prayed, and I prayed, and I prayed, and I prayed some more, and I looked at my watch, and it had been 20 minutes, and I thought this is going to be a long, long day. But I learned this valuable lesson. Talk less. Listen more. I am moved by the fact that Jesus' model prayer is so short. There are only 40 words to Jesus' prayer in Luke 11. And Matthew uh, uh, chapter 6, that's a little bit longer, but it's only 60 words. Now I want you to time me. Get out your watch. I'm going to pray Jesus' prayer, and I want you to tell me how long it takes me to pray it. All right? Are you all ready? Anybody timing? Got your phone out? Whatever. All right, let's go. Father, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come. Give us each day the food we need, and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation. How long did it take? Twelve seconds. Does that say something to you? Prayer is a whole lot more about listening than it is about talking, according to Jesus. Silence, hearing what God has. What should we be listening for? Keep your bookmarker right here, and I want you to go to the book of Romans, the 8th chapter, one of the most incredible passages of Scripture uh, about prayer, and I want you to grasp this. This is an amazing, an amazing thing uh, in in Romans chapter 8. We read about two intercessors for us when we pray in uh, Romans 8. Uh, I'll not take the time to read the second one. That's about Jesus. That's found in verse 34 that talks about Jesus interceding for us when we pray. But I want you to notice what he says happens when when we pray, and what the Holy Spirit does when we pray. This is in verse 26. It says, And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray. Anybody ever been there? I don't know what God would really want me to pray about. Have you ever been there? I'm there all the time. I don't have a clue what I ought to pray about. God is God. I'm not. And it's awfully dumb for me to be telling God, the creator of the universe, what he ought to be doing. All right? That's the way I look at it. I'm pretty simple. uh, But that's the way I look at it. And that's that's what he says. But the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings. Mm. Mm. That words cannot cannot ever express. Now, I'm not exactly sure what that sounds like in your experience, but I know what it sounds like in my experience. The groanings so deep in me that my mouth could not even express them. 
And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying, for the Spirit pleads for us in harmony with God's own will. I have a problem when it comes to my daughter or to my, uh, uh, both my daughters when they were little or, or to my wife. I'm a fixer. Uh, ladies, do you have a fixer in your house? Does anybody, you can jab him if you'd like to, okay? Uh, it took me about 15 years of marriage to realize that when my wife Carol came to me and said, Neil, I got, I got a problem, let me tell you about my problem, that she didn't want me to do anything. She wanted me to what, ladies? Say it out loud. Listen. And I'm a lumpkin, and it took me a long time, all right? There's a lot of young husbands in here. Get this, all right? Get this. Listen, 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 listen. I'm a fixer, and, man, I, I, I wanted to fix Angela. I wanted her to bring her back. I wanted her to fall in love with Jesus again. I, I wanted to fix her. But I realized there wasn't a, not one single thing that I could do to drag her back to the foot of the cross. But let me ask you a question. Did God have a plan to draw my daughter back to the cross? Sure he did. And what I want you to understand that before I ever began praying, in fact, before she was ever even born, God was crafting the plan that he was going to use to bring her back to the foot of the cross. And I had to learn to stop telling God what to do and start listening for his inner groaning, groaning uh, in, my, in my life. Lesson number four, never give up. Never give up. Now, Jesus tells a little parable about a guy uh, who's knocking on a friend's door asking for bread. Uh, and the guy says, go away. I, I don't want I, I to get up out of bed. And uh, you get the point of that story. Jesus said, keep on knocking. Let me ask you this question. For my daughter that was far from God, let me ask you this question. How long did I continue knocking on the door of heaven for her? Tell me. For as long as it take. Now, I'll share with you just a moment that she came home. She came, she came home by the grace of God. But if she had not, I would still be praying now almost 20 years later. I'd still be praying. I'd still be knocking. I'd still be begging God to draw her to the foot of the cross. You see, I believe that effective prayers don't necessarily pray with the right words, but they pray with the right persistence. Didn't you like that when he said there's shameless persistence? Shameless persistence. That's how we ought to go before the Father. Lesson number five. And I believe this is the most important lesson of all, so get this that we should expect the Holy Spirit to be the answer for every kingdom prayer. We should expect the Holy Spirit to be the answer for every kingdom prayer. Now, Jesus finishes out this story with, to me, because I hate snakes. I, I hate even reading about them uh, in this passage of Scripture. But listen to the way Jesus finishes out this teaching about prayer. So It's, it's amazing to me. He says, fathers, if your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? Or if they ask for an egg, would you give them a scorpion? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? 
Now that seems so strange to me because Jesus had not been talking about the Holy Spirit at all. Not even mentioned it. He's talking about prayer. And at the end of this, it's almost like it, it doesn't connect that Jesus just goes off the rails and starts talking about something totally different. But friends, I want you to understand Kingdom prayer is always, always, always answered by the Holy Spirit's ministry uh, in our lives or the lives of people that we're praying for. My daughter was so far from God, it was heartbreaking. Heartbreaking for us. I remember we were having, I think it was a 25th uh, anniversary at our church. I've been preaching there for 25 years. Maybe it's 20, I can't remember. Anyway, we were sitting down front and uh, front row, and they were doing all kinds of nice things for us. And they had given us a trip to wherever we wanted to go and uh, to Hawaii. I think they had pictures of Hawaii. We'd been there before. But, uh, I mean, it, it was, they had lots of nice things to say with, uh, about us. And my wife and I were sitting like right where we are, front row, front row. We were sitting there, a big crowd of people around. They were saying all kinds of nice things. And I turned to my wife and I said, where would you like to be right now? And she said, anywhere but here with this totally fake smile on her face. Because our daughter was far from God. And we were broken and we were hurting. But what I want you to know was that God orchestrated three events Three events in her life that I, I couldn't have orchestrated them if I tried. And if I explained them to you, you'd say, get out of town. That, that's crazy. That's impossible. But these three events happened within a 10-day period of time. Oh, bang, 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 bang. And it was like God was cornering my daughter and throwing her to the mat and saying, okay, uh, you're going to come back to the foot of the cross whether you like it or not. You know, I'm going to drag you back, whatever. But it's an amazing thing. And she called my youngest daughter first to say, what do you think dad would say? And then she called me and she said, it was a Friday, and she called me and she said, Dad, if grace is what you have said grace is, could I give my life back to Jesus and could I be holy and pure and innocent and clean again? I said, yes, honey. She was at the end of the driveway, you see. And then she said, Dad, I don't know if I need to do this or not. She was baptized like when she was 12 years old. But she said, I think I've messed up my life so bad. That, that was not her word. Uh, <laughs> she said, but if I came home this Sunday, would you baptize me into Christ again? It was the quickest sermon I ever preached. Man, let's get through this, rascal. We went to the Y like we always did. And I baptized her into Christ. Now what I want you to know is I share her story because Angela has shared her story over and over and over again. With hundreds of teenage girls, she shared her story. And hundreds of teenage boys, she shared her story. She is so committed to Christ now, it's unbelievable. She's in a, 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 a wonderful church. Now she's got a 16-year-old daughter. And I keep saying, all right, Angela, you know. I'm praying she will not walk away. She's vice president of the largest Christian Internet company in the world. That's my daughter. 
And it was all because not my prayers were strong enough, but our God was strong enough. To use her brokenness and her screwed up life to draw her back to the foot of the cross. Well, that's my prodigal story. You've got prodigal stories as well. People in your family, your friends, classmates, people you work with, people that are far from God, people that when you think about heaven, you can't even imagine going to heaven and them not being there. How do you pray for them? Well, let's pray for them right now. Let's bow together and pray. Father, we are just believing that your word is always true. We believe it is. We know it is. We believe that John 6.44 is true, that nobody, nobody can come to Jesus unless you draw them. And Father, we just have to admit that we have friends and family and neighbors that, man, we just can't imagine going to heaven and not finding them there. Father, we're not very good at praying. We uh, fumble and we intend to and we, we mess up so often. We get distracted. Father, just pray that you would draw the people that are in our minds right now that are far from Jesus. Father, would you draw them to the, to the cross? Would you do a kingdom work in them and use the circumstances, the bad circumstances in their life to make them aware of their need for Jesus? Father, bring them to the narrow gate. Father, bring them down that rough road. Father, we pray that you would do that gently and lovingly and mercifully, but draw them to the foot of the cross. And that's our prayer in Jesus' name. Kingdom prayers. Kingdom prayers can change a life for eternity. You can change lives for eternity. And I just want you to keep on praying, 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 praying. And speak a word for Jesus when you have an opportunity.